What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the First Offense Story. It's Sunday. I'm a little discombobulated. Usually, the podcast would be posted by the time I'm recording this, but I had to work today because of Memorial Day. So, I have tomorrow off, and I'm this may come out on Monday. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to see how this goes, but usually, on Sundays, I write my schedule for the week and everything gets super organized so then I do the podcast and right now with having to work it threw me off a little so that might affect when I post this but that probably only concerns maybe one percent of you because I don't know if anybody just waits to the second it gets released (laughs) and starts listening but anyways it's been a good week I hope everybody else had a good week and is ready to go for the next week I only got two more weeks until I'm out of here so let me think exactly 14 days from now I'll pretty much have my truck packed up and be leaving in I don't know if it's 12 now 14 hours so I got about two weeks and 14 hours and then I'm out of here and then the first offense story officially starts I mean it started when I was born technically but I guess you could call this like phase two of the first offense story I was in the first offense story now and my whole life I just didn't realize it and now I'm going into phase two which is just taking place in Mooresville all right so the past probably two three weeks I've been so concentrated on moving in this podcast just a lot of new things going on that it's been like a learning curve so Basically, I've just, my mind has been occupied with a lot of stuff that's not necessarily boring, but it's not like super motivating. I don't know how to, I mean, it's motivating because I know I'm doing it because I'm moving, but I haven't really been thinking about the things that I really am looking forward to about moving, which kind of like sparked my whole idea to do this. I've been excited, but I haven't been thinking about how cool it's actually going to be until earlier this week. I had something remind me of how fun I'm going to have, and at least I think I'm going to have. I mean, I'm anticipating I'm going to have a lot of fun, and I think that I may be wrong, but isn't it just your attitude and perception at the end of the day? I think so. Anyways, I'm kind of all over the place right now, but I just wanted to add some context to what's next. So, Earlier this week, I came across this YouTube video called Dale Earnhardt Senior Property and Dale Earnhardt Incorporated Visit. All I saw was just a picture of Dale's car, his number three car, the black one, and I could tell it was in his museum. So it kind of intrigued me. I started watching the video. And this podcast isn't about NASCAR as much as it is about me applying first offense to real life. So I just want anyone to be able to listen to this podcast and be interested in it and know what's going on. And First Offense may have started as like a NASCAR weekly podcast and just like a platform that I post NASCAR content on, but I really just want it to be like a representation of me and my brand, I guess you'd say. So with all that being said, I think I should explain who Dale Earnhardt is and talk about him before I go into the rest of this because that way I can fill in all the non-NASCAR fans or just fans in general who don't know everything about them. I made this using ChatGBT, which I don't know if anyone knows what it is. Basically, I it's just a it's called like an AI 
computer thingy and it just pulls information off of the entire internet and formulates whatever you want it to like people in school were could cheat and write essays you can basically tell it to write anything and it will pull information off of different websites and make what you ask it to so i figured if i do this then it's going to pull information about dale from the whole internet so basically it's going to be a general consensus description of who dale was so really all you need to do is listen to this i'm going to read it and then you'll have a general idea of who dale is and it's going to make the rest of what i'm talking about make sense all right dale earnhardt the iconic nascar driver will forever be remembered as one of the greatest in the sport born in kannapolis north carolina earnhardt's passion for racing was evident from a young age his aggressive driving style earned him the nickname the intimidator and he pushed himself to the limit refusing anything but victory over his three-decade career, Earnhardt achieved remarkable success, securing 76 wins and tying the record for the most championships with seven titles. His unwavering determination and fierce competitiveness made him a fan favorite and intimidating presence on the track. In 2001, Dale Earnhardt crossed the start finish line at Daytona International Speedway for the final lap of the Daytona 500. As he raced in third position, two drivers of, ahead of him represented his own team, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Despite being seen as competitors in that moment, this unique scenario placed Dale in a position where he was effectively running first, second, and third, with his best friend and his son driving the cars he fielded. Together, the three aimed to secure victory in the year's most prestigious race. While approaching the final turn, Dale found himself engulfed by the rest of the competitive field, all doing everything they could to win. Strategically maneuvering between the cars, he slowed them down, granting his son, Dale Jr., and his best friend, Michael Waltrip, the opportunity to finish first and second. As the race concluded, Dale was involved in a fatal crash, which claimed his life. Although he was unable to complete the race and never had the chance to celebrate the win, Dale Earnhardt emerged as a winning team owner in his final race. Despite his untimely passing, Dale Earnhardt's legacy lives on as a testament to his extraordinary winning attitude. He exemplified a never-quit mentality and an unwavering determination to succeed. Earnhardt's relentless pursuit of victory and his refusal to settle for anything less than first place continues to inspire racers worldwide. His competitive spirit and fierce drive serve as a reminder that success is achieved through hard work, resilience, and an unwavering belief in one's abilities. Dale Earnhardt's remarkable winning attitude remains an enduring symbol of his greatness, forever etching his name in the records of racing history. Okay, so now that you generally know who Dale is, you'll understand why I might be interested in this YouTube video of Dale's museum and his property. I start watching the video and it begins with a guy recording himself in front of a sign that says Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. I knew about this building and museum, but I had no idea what he was about to say next. Dale's former house is actually right behind the shop, and not only that, but Dale is also buried behind his house and on the same property. After Dale died in the 2001 Daytona 500, they placed his gravesite here. While I knew there was a lot of history tied to Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, this video revealed way more. Any NASCAR fan would agree that this is an amazing attraction that they love to see, but for me it's something deeper than that. I realize my intrigue in Dale really has nothing to do with NASCAR. He was a great driver and he is fun to watch, but I realize it really has little to do with racing and I don't idolize him as a NASCAR fan, so what is it? 
You have to look back to December of 2021 when I made my original NASCAR podcast. If you listen to the first episode of this podcast, which I highly encourage you to do if you haven't already because it'll just make everything else make sense, then you know what first offense means. It's about committing to the biggest possible goals you can think of and not compromising with yourself and lowering your standards. It's also about doing whatever it takes to achieve those goals. So I made the podcast called it First Offense and began creating my weekly NASCAR podcast and just different posts on all different social medias. While doing this, I came across a Dale Earnhardt quote which said, second place is just the first place loser. When you hear that, you probably think, yeah, winning is everything, win at all costs, in NASCAR especially, and if you finish second, you get nothing. I think that too, but when I first read it, I associated it with first offense because they basically mean the same thing, in NASCAR terms at least. I'm going to go more in depth with this later, but I can't right now because at this point in time when I read the quote, all I really thought was that it's a cool quote and kind of like first offense, so it's motivating and just cool to me. I ended up getting it put onto a bracelet, like one of those little silicone stretchy ones, and I got it in January of 2022 and just started to wear it. I also gave a bunch to my friends. I'm wearing it right now. It just says second place is just the first place loser. While I'm rarely actually competing against anybody, I can read the bracelet and get motivated to do the best that I possibly can in whatever I'm doing. Since last January, I've worn it and I've felt an obligation to follow the quote in everything I do. It's almost like I'm being held accountable. But how can a quote from someone who died before I was even born and his property have so much influence on me? I think the reason I feel this way is because Dale lived by first offense in the form of his racing career. I'm not comparing our stories because our paths are entirely different, but rather pointing out an example of what first offense means. Dale grew up with barely any money and paying bills for the month or week depended on if he won or not. While this probably wasn't the most fun way to live, he loved to race so much. These were the sacrifices he was willing to make to achieve his goals, which were to be a NASCAR Cup Series driver. He wasn't willing to compromise those goals. He had to grind it out and to finally make it, and when he did, he continued to win and accomplish his goals by any means necessary. There's an endless amount of examples of this. On two different occasions, Dale drove through the grass. One time he did it to actually pass cars, another time he got forced onto the grass and he kept his foot on the gas and got the car back under control and maintained the lead. To put this into perspective, a driver compares driving on the grass to driving on ice. So if you're from the north, then you probably know what that's like. One week, Dale broke his collarbone and was forced to sit out and miss a race. He did start the race because he was contending for a championship, but he quickly came to the pits and exited the car. Dale was interviewed after, and he was emotional. The next week, he decided to race at Watkins Glen, which is probably the most physically demanding track on the schedule. Dale had the fastest qualifying time, and he finished the race in fifth. Every time Dale got in the car, and all drivers for that matter, he knew there was a possibility that he wouldn't walk away, but he was willing to take that chance because the alternative would be to settle for something short of his goals, which I don't see as an option, and that's what first offense is about. Okay, so back to the bracelet. Second place is just the first place loser. To me, means that you may have been able to beat most of the cars and actually every car except for the one that came in first. But if there was any chance that you could have won and you didn't take it or you took for granted an opportunity to win, then you didn't do the best you could. And although it may come across as an accomplishment, it's not enough and you're just sitting there wondering what could have been. 
I know I'm still talking about racing, but I think you can apply that explanation to anything. Before we move on, I just want to say that I'm not saying I look at that bracelet or I wear that bracelet and I have superpowers of doing everything perfectly with full effort. Because if that were the case, then I probably wouldn't even be wearing it or searching for motivation. Or I guess you could say inspiration in the per first place. I've been wearing the bracelet since last January and I truly believe I'm in a better place now than I would have been without it. I kind of look at it like it's leaving yourself a note. If you need to do something, you're way more likely to do it if it's written down and right in front of you as a reminder. And even if it's just a fraction of a percent, it has definitely helped me remember how important it is to do things to the best of my ability. The bracelet got me thinking about what it would take to first offense, first offense, which ultimately led me to making the decision to move to Charlotte and go all in. Okay, so now that you know what the quote in Dale has to do with the first offense story, here's what role Dale Earnhardt Incorporated will play in the first offense story, which is the building from the YouTube video that I talked about earlier. In just over two weeks, I'll be driving by Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and Dale's former property every day, and I'll basically be neighbors with the place. This is the closest visual representation of winning at all costs and never settling for anything less that I know of and for me personally. Similar to the way I read my bracelet and get motivation, how can I drive by or even go inside the building knowing everything that it represents and not give 100% in what I'm doing every day? If a simple quote has led me to this, then I can't wait to see the effect of being around 7 NASCAR championship trophies. 76 race trophies and an endless amount of just NASCAR relics that represent winning but more importantly just being surrounded by things that represent first or fence. Like I said with the bracelet I think this will hold me accountable for doing the best I can because how can I complain or just not find the energy to work hard when someone before me did all that. It'll make the sacrifices feel easier and it'll just serve as a reminder of what happens if you refuse to compromise with yourself and lessen your goals that you truly desire to achieve. If Dale Earnhardt was willing to race with a broken collarbone, drive through the grass to win, and do a million other things, then I think I can apply that to my life. I know that was super long-winded, but I think it's a huge part of the first offense story because for me, just having constant reminders of why I'm doing something but also being held accountable is something I need because I think the second that you get a little distract distracted or you feel sorry for yourself then you can go the other way and I know there's always a chance but if I can just lessen that chance more and more then I'll never stop first or fencing and yelp first or fence is a verb and an adjective and a noun whatever um, other things there are like I say every episode, we still got a long way to go before I'm physically there, so it's important I stay concentrated and don't let it serve as a distraction. I was tempted to just start watching seven hours of YouTube videos touring all of the NASCAR race shops, and I didn't even watch the inside of Dale Earnhardt Incorporated because I'm saving it so I can go there myself. That way I kind of have to earn it and I can't just watch it on a YouTube video. For now, I just got to keep working on getting everything set up and ready to go. And I really, I got two weeks and pretty much I'm getting to the point where if I didn't prepare, it's kind of too late and I'm going to have to figure it out. But I really think I'm doing good. I took my truck to the shop to get looked at, just make sure there wasn't any major things wrong with it. There was one thing that I had already known that was wrong with it. 
that I've kind of been pushing off just because I haven't feel felt like paying for it, but I knew it was it had to get fixed, so I wasn't shocked. So I'm going to get that fixed real quick before I leave and get an oil change. That way I don't have to worry about it for a while once I get down there. So I'm going to do that this week, and I'm selling that quarter midget and gold cart that I talked about this week, so I'm just going to take some of that cash, use it to fix my truck, so that's good. And then this week wasn't loaded like the last one. I, I feel like a lot of stuff happened last week, but it's weird. I feel like these last couple weeks I've had like mini preparation tests for when I'm leaving. Like, for example, my truck braking, I had to fix that. That was good. Um, kind of maybe getting that job opportunity at FedEx because that's kind of what I want to try to do in North Carolina. So that was like almost reassurance. And there was a few other things, but this week was weird because I met a bunch of people that were almost like leads to potential jobs or just knowing people down in North Carolina. And it's weird because they all kind of happened pretty randomly and at the same time. So when I started working at FedEx, I met this one of my coworkers named Jeff. We just started talking about sports and then I told him I was going to watch the NASCAR race, whatever. Eventually I told him I was moving and I had a NASCAR podcast and he's a baseball coach. He coaches teams with kids from all over the country. It's like, I don't know a ton about baseball, but if I were to compare it to soccer, it'd be like a travel soccer team with good players from all over the place. And he's he's coached, I can't tell you the exact numbers, but he's coached MLB players and college athletes and then all the players kind of in the leagues between that. I guess I think it would be minor leagues and there might be some others. But anyways, he coached a player that played for the Red Sox. So the Red Sox play at Fenway, and there's a NASCAR team called Roush Fenway Keselowski. So those two are connected, and I think this is how the, this kind of happened, is that so the, the NASCAR pick guys are all super good athletes. So I would say he was a player who played for the Red Sox, and somehow he ended up as part of a pit crew for NASCAR and Jeff put me in touch with him and I texted back and forth with him and he actually ended up being the jackman for Chase Briscoe's 14 cup car so I introduced myself to him over text and we went back and forth like I said and I told him that I was looking forward to meeting him in person so hopefully when I get down there I can meet him and that that could be like the first person that I meet down there so if you're listening, Jeff, thanks. Next person, I was selling something because, at, like I've been saying every podcast, I'm trying to sell all the extra stuff, save up some money. And I was selling these hot rod tires. And the guy happened to be a modified driver, which is a type of race car. And I talked to him for a while. And I told him I was moving down to Charlotte. And he said he knows someone that's actually working on Justin Allgaier's car. And then we'll have to stay in touch. And Justin Allgaier is a driver for Junior Motorsports, which is Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s race team, which is Dale Earnhardt's son. And that's in Mooresville. That's about, I would say, like 12 minutes away from where I'm going to be living. And I think that would be the best possible place I could work if I had to pick right now without knowing anything. So that could be huge. And then, like I said, I took my truck to get looked at. And the guy who works on it, I, I kind of knew he 
was into racing a little bit, but he saw my keychain. It's a North Wilkesboro keychain, which is a track that NASCAR just raced at. And he asked me if I went to it. And he had known that I was getting ready to take my truck for a long trip. So I said, no, but um, the reason I'm getting my truck looked at is because I'm driving to Charlotte. I'm going to live down there, try to work for a NASCAR team. And he said, no way. We used to actually build modifieds. So I know a ton of guys who went down there. And I remember him telling me that he went to race modifieds in Bristol. So that kind of reminded me of that. And he said that a lot of his friends went down there. He said that like you either go down there if you want to try to make money racing or you stay up here in the grassroots tracks and it's it's like tough to make money. You have to work a lot and then race and you're just constantly running out of money and he said a ton of people he knew went down there and he stayed and kept working and running the shop but he said that he'll have to get me in touch with them and I could call them and just see what's up and see what's going on. So I'll have to talk to him more about that because that could be big. But it's weird how all three of these things happened in the same week and they're all kind of random. So that just to me proves that you have to talk to everyone because you never know. And I heard something that said if you know a thousand people and they know a thousand people, then I think you're connected to the entire world. I don't know exactly how the math works, but that that is true because you always meet someone and then they just end up knowing someone that can help you or whatever or you always meet someone and then they'll know someone that you know and you realize how small of a world it is and this also made me realize that it's super important that I put a lot of stuff on social media like just talking about this podcast and promoting it and getting people to know who I am because it's such a good way of meeting new people and then connecting with other people so i really want to increase how much i post about this podcast on first offense because usually i just post my weekly nascar stuff and i i want to start making some different kind of posts showing maybe i show where i live where i'm going to be living in Boresville, stuff like that and me driving through all the states and going to some of the shops just i have all kinds of different ideas i just haven't put in a system of how I'm going to start posting them yet and I I want to get that together and start that before I leave because I think I really gotta get as many people listening as I can and not because like I want a lot of listeners I I don't even look at how many people listen to this but because I think it's like the gonna be super interesting and I think it'd be really cool to be able to follow from the start and I think people would be missing out if they aren't, so send this to everyone you know. <laughs> Alright, so what else did I do last week? It's a lot of little stuff. I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. I've been lo- lowering the prices. This week, I'm going to shorten all the listings. Or not shorten them, I'm going to combine them all. So if I have a bunch of one thing, I'm going to list it as a group, sell it all off and get rid of it. And then I'll pretty much have nothing on my eBay I'll have to just put my eBay stuff away, sadly, but hopefully sometime when I get down there and I get a little bit of extra time, or if I need a little extra money, I'll set it up, go to a tag sale, and get something, and then flip it on eBay, because I I like doing that. I just don't know if it's worth it to invest some time in there, in my eBay, because really, I am kind of only want to be focused on first or fence now. But this is just a good way to get me a little extra money 
rather than working a bunch of hours at a job, I can flip something on eBay and make the same amount in an hour in like 10 minutes. And that's just going to give me more time to work on first or fifth. So that's how I have to weigh whether it's worth it or not. I've been going to the grocery store and trying to find cheap food and I I want to um start working out better. I work out already, but I've never I've like always been in shape. I've just never gotten consistent at it. And like I'll go to the gym for a couple months and then I'll just do push-ups at home. I don't know. It's just been inconsistent. And I think the reason is because I never got like disciplined doing a little bit. I just try to do a lot and get disciplined in that. So now what I've been doing for like the past two months is just push. I started with just push-ups during the week, like five days a week. Then I added pull-ups. Now I'm going to add push-ups, pull-ups in the same day and some other upper body stuff. And then like leg workouts and core. And I go to, I play soccer too. And then once I get that down and I know I can do it, five days a week or six days a week that I'm going to go to start going to the gym. So that way I build myself, I build my way up. And instead of trying to go all in at once, this is the best thing that's worked for me. Just starting small. It's like if you want to wake up earlier rather than if you say you wake up at nine and you want to start waking up at seven rather than just trying to wake up at seven every day. I think it'd be better to go 8.30, then 8, then 7.30, then 7, because you wake up at 7, you do it for four days, and then all of a sudden you wake up at 9 again or 10 or something. So I like to ease into it, and that that's what I'm trying to do with working out. And also I've been trying to find food that's cheap that I can eat because I never, I mean, I just haven't thought about super cheap food, but I'm trying to just save as much money as I can when I'm down there to put into just put away and then I can put it back into first or fence later so I've been looking for super cheap food and I didn't realize like the cheaper the cheaper food is actually healthier like eggs are super cheap chicken rice pasta so I didn't realize but I can eat cheap food and it's probably better than a lot of expensive food and it's pretty easy to make. Like I, can, I don't have to spend a lot of time at all making it. So that's gonna help me with putting bulking up too, with working out because I'm gonna be eating better. So it's a lot of advantages. And I, this all goes back to moving and living on my own because it's just forcing me to do all these things, and it's all positive stuff that I'm just gonna carry for life, I guess. And it's forcing me to be super disciplined and I don't like to like save money I'd rather just make more because I, I I don't know how to explain it it's just it'd be easier for me to flip something on eBay than it would to like get coupons and take them to the grocery store like I feel like they take the same time except one's more worth it but in this case when I'm just trying to find like the cheapest things I can eat I think it's actually good because it's forcing me to just take what I need and not blow money on stupid stuff which can also apply to everything else like clothes cars and just things that really aren't necessarily like good for you so that's a plus I think I gotta come up with some kind of timeline 
follow. Maybe we'll talk about that next week because I don't want to go there and get distracted by all the NASCAR stuff. And I also don't want to go there thinking I'm going to get a job immediately. I think I should have some sort of timeline of what I want my life to be like within a month or three months, six months, a year. And I think the main things are just the base of my life. And then I want to build up from there. So first offense obviously is going to be a main part of that. Just consistently posting this podcast. That's like my biggest fear is not consistently posting because I get too caught up doing something else or I get too in over my head. So I just need to stay like laser focused on this and then just working making enough money to put a little tiny bit away each month and then just working out because I think if I have the if I have the money thing down of just working and being able to balance first or fence and then working out because that's probably the three most important things then I'll be fine to stay there and I won't be rushing to try to get a job I can be happy with those three things and then that's a perfect base and then I can build up from there rather than getting there and just trying to find a job and not worrying about the other stuff because really the the exercising and and then working out and eating good is something that I need to maintain forever so I got to get that down good one thing I've been wanting to do but I've been struggling with is just have some kind of a resume to bring because I feel like I might get into the situation where someone says, I talk to someone and they know of a potential job opportunity and they say, well, can I have your resume? I'll give it to them. And I've talked about this in the last episode, I think, how I can't rely on my resume to get me the job, but obviously people are still going to want to look at it and I just do not know how to make it. Like, I, I, I don't know, it's just weird. I think I just got to lock in on a YouTube video about how to make a good one and just grind it out just to have something that catches someone's attention and has maybe like my phone number on it or whatever. I don't know. I think I should just bring that and have it because I have extra time right now because I haven't left yet. So I could get that done and then I'll just have it. I won't have to worry about it when I'm down there. I'm just, I keep talking about this, but I'm just trying to narrow the things that I'm worried about down to just living in first offense, nothing else. So yeah, this week I'm just trying to collect some things that I'm bringing. I've just been making a list of everything I need, trying to bring as minimal stuff as I possibly can because I'm going to be in a camper. So I mean, <laughs> there's not that much room. If I ever decide to move, I don't want to be hauling like a house out of there. So I'm trying to bring minimal stuff and that'll get me set up and last me the first little while and I won't have to make like a huge trip to the store buy a million things and if I bring some food I'm way less likely to just start pounding uh Bojangles what else Canes maybe is there I don't know all the southern restaurants because if I have no food instead of going oh, I'll go to the grocery store I'll just go to the drive through start hammering junk pounding cokes <laughs> So this is just going to keep me off of that. But yeah, I don't know. It's been a little bit calmer than it was because the main things were just like if 
finding a place to live, figuring out what you do for truck, my insurance, getting my car registered, and a lot of that I have to wait till I get down there, which is a little annoying and on my mind, but you just can't do anything about it, so I'll just have to wait till I get there. I want to ask the person that owns the camper a few things just to make sure everything's good. Hopefully the Wi-Fi is strong. If not, I'm buying the the best freaking uh, Wi-Fi extender there is possibly known to man because that's just something I can't. Like, I'll be trying to post my podcast. It'll take 17 hours to post, and just I'll have to, like, pull into a Starbucks or something. I just I can't be dealing with that. So I got to make sure that's good. It's literally Wi-Fi, food, water sleeping showering which isn't really a necessity (laughs) uh yeah everything's going good it's getting weird driving 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 around knowing that i'm not gonna be here in two weeks i've come to the conclusion that the worst part about it is that you can't tell your animals that you're coming back so they're just gonna think you're like leaving for a couple hours and then coming back and then you just never come back (laughs) Uh, but anyways I'm looking forward to it there's pretty much nothing that I'm dreading about it like I don't know how to explain it everything because I know why I'm doing it it just makes it seem so much it just feels easy like I'm I'm looking forward to it if anything like I'm looking forward to working at FedEx and driving and usually if I had to drive 12 hours for anything else I would hate it but I'm kind of looking forward to it and just powering through it I think it's gonna be fun also living in the camper I think it's gonna be fun I'm just gonna I wish I didn't work at 2 a.m that's what it's my hours gonna be I wish I worked at like maybe 7 because I would get up at 5 and then I would run to Dale Earnhardt Incorporated (laughs) every morning I just go for a jog there and then come back and get some first or fence stuff done so I think in my timeline for when I get there one of the things is to get a normal sleep schedule with a job that allows that because I just it's so hard to get on a sleep schedule like that because like everyone's living during the time that you're sleeping so it's hard to get stuff done I just gotta worry about that when the time comes but I hope this episode was good. Every week I kind of just think about things I can talk about and things that would lay out the first offense story good for before I leave, everything like that. And this week I think talking about living right next to Dale Earnhardt Incorporated was important because it explains why I'm doing this unrelated to NASCAR because I don't want people that think like I'm a NASCAR freak and just love NASCAR and that's it because this is really just about first offense. I think NASCAR is almost like a vice for me. I think it's super cool but first offense is like the thing I'm really working on if that makes sense. I don't really know how to explain it. All right anyways it's the Indy 500 day and Coke 600. It's the biggest day in motorsports. So I hope everyone's having a good Sunday and has a good rest of your week. I I appreciate you listening, everybody who listens. Thank you. I'll see you guys next Sunday, and we'll only have a week to go before it gets real. All right, peace.